combine two gospels together, we're going to take Mark chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 17 and blend them together. They tell the same story, but they have different details. One has some more details than the other. And when we put it together, we have a clear picture of what has taken place today. And I want to I want to preach just a little while. Great crowd this morning. Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody here. And 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 when when God is here, that makes up the majority. Now, I'm glad you're here. It'd be a lonely place without you being here, but it wouldn't matter if I was here and you was here if he wasn't here. Amen. And I'm glad for the presence of God. Matthew 17, we're going to look and deal with this subject. Deal with this subject. Unbelief in the believer. Unbelief in the believer. I, I know many times we, we, we separate those and characterize these as there's an unbeliever and then there's the believers. But it's a bad thing when the believer struggles with unbelief. Unbelief limits what God will do. It, can, it does not limit what God can do. It limits what he will do. It says that the nation of Israel, the children of God, if you will, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. Uh, they drew a line in the sand for what God would do because of their unbelief. There were several cities. There were several communities that God or Jesus went into, and he, and he did not many miracles in them because of their unbelief. And boy, it's a bad thing when God's children struggles with unbelief. Are y'all with me? Matthew 17, verse 14. Let's read a couple verses and we'll pray. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire, oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Failed ministry they could not cure him then jesus answered and said "O faithless and perverse generation how long shall i be with you how long shall i suffer you bring him hither to me and jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour then came the disciples to jesus apart and said why could not we cast him out jesus said unto them read it with me please because of your unbelief for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Read that last sentence. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. One more time. And howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Father, Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for, Lord, more than anything, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the touch of the Holy One. God, I pray that you'll please help me now. Help me now. It's a whole new crowd. Lord, we need a whole new anointing. We need the touch of God this morning. And I pray that your will be done. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. <clears throat> let me, let me, uh, if you will, give me a moment to to set the stage and explain everything. Let's take Mark nine and Matthew seventeen and blend them together so we get a a clear picture of what's going on in the situation. Jesus, Peter, James, and John are coming down 
from the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, they have been up there in the presence of God. Uh, they, they have been up there, God the Father and God the Son in communion together. And Jesus is in his last days, his last hours on this earth. And he is coming down off of this mountain, uh, Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And he comes to a, a multitude of people. He comes to a mob situation, if you will, if you want to describe it that way. Uh, we find two groups of people. Uh, we find the scribes, which are the religious crowd, the, the fundamentalists, the Pharisees, the, the leader of the Pharisees, uh, the ones who was always coming against Christ. Uh, they were more interested in their tradition than Jesus' truth. They were interested in their little box of religion, and they didn't like that Jesus wasn't in their box. And they were here in this group of people. And on the other side of them was the disciples, those nine that he had left before, uh, those that he had left behind. And they are arguing, if you will. They were debating, going back and forth. One was coming against this one. This one was coming against this one. And they were going back and forth. And Jesus sees the situation. And he approaches them and says, what, what's the deal? Why, why do you question them? What question have you with them? Kind of like he's saying, what seems to be the problem? Well, a man stands forth out of the crowd, and he is a desperate man. He is a broken man. He is a hurting man. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, listen, I need your help. I have a son who has a demon. I have a son who has a devil. And listen, it is causing him great suffering. It is causing him great pain. This demon that this young man was possessed by was causing him to have epileptic seizures and he was falling out. It was causing him suicidal tendencies, going into the fire, going into the water. And he said, look, if you can do anything, oh, if you could do anything, would you please help me? I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't fix him. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't help him. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything for him. Would you please help me? Now, let's get this in our minds. I need you to pay close attention. I'm going to go in detail about a lot of stuff, so just stay with me and follow me as we go. Jesus is coming down the mountain. And in one situation, we find a, a, a desperate father. We find a hurting son. And then we find religious people arguing. Religious people debating. The scribes was using the disciples' failure as a reason and an opportunity to argue with them and debate them. And you know what? I, I really look at this picture and I look at this situation and I come to a conclusion that nothing's really changed, has it? Here we have churches in America that are fussing and fighting and they're splitting and splintering. They're arguing of whether to use a blue book or a red book, arguing whether to sing praise music or traditional music, arguing whether they should have screens on the wall, arguing over translations, arguing over denominations. And all the while, we have hurting people all around us who are desperate, dying, and devastated. And I wonder what Jesus thinks. I wonder what the Lord thinks when he looks down upon us and he, he looks down upon who he has called to go to the uttermost, who he has called to heal the brokenhearted, who he has called to spread the gospel and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And all the while, all we want to do is argue. Whether you can wear this or where you can wear that, whether you can go here, whether you can go there, who's right and who's wrong, it doesn't really matter. We got hurting people. Listen, I wonder what Jesus is thinking. He looks at this situation, and he says, he says, 
how long has this been on the child? And the father says, since he was a baby. He brings into him and he casts the devil out. He casts the devil out. He heals this boy. Now everything seems to be fine. They go privately to the disciples. The disciples are frustrated. They're upset. Why couldn't we do this? You say, well, they're just, they're just not good with that. No, no, no. You've got to understand, if you'll go read the Gospels, you'll find out that it clearly says when Jesus commissioned the disciples and sent them out to the villages two by two, and the Bible says clearly he gave them power over every devil, verbatim, King James, every devil. He gave them power to heal disease, but specifically he gave them power over every devil. That would include the one that's in this boy. And they're frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated when the the prayer you prayed today was the same prayer you prayed yesterday and it worked yesterday but not today? Have you ever been frustrated because the devil you beat yesterday? Listen, it's different than the devil you face today. Why could we not cast them out? And now we find the biggest problem of the whole story. When I look at religious people fighting, I think that's a problem. When I think of people hurting, I think that's a problem. When I think of the disciples uh, uh, not being successful in ministry, that's a problem. But Jesus, he names the biggest problem. He names the most significant thing in this whole story. He says, look, because of your unbelief. Say that with me. Because of your. I'm like, really? I, I, I don't understand this. What do you mean unbelief? These are believers. These are devil casting out people. These are healing people. They've gone out and they, they've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen Jesus raise the dead. They've seen Jesus heal the blind. They've seen Jesus heal the lame. And they've seen Jesus do all kinds of things that's not even written in the word according to the Bible. How are they? What? Unbelief? They believe? But he's not calling them atheists. That's not what this means. I I started digging deeper. And do you realize that word, unbelief, in Matthew 17? It's the only time it's used in the Bible. The only time it's used in the Bible. Now, we have the word, the English word, unbelief, used different times in the translation. But the only time the Greek word used in that particular text is the only time in the Bible. And it means the littleness of faith. The littleness of faith. In other words, the stage of your faith, where your faith happened to be at that time. Preacher, what are you saying? Can I be honest this morning? Can I be honest? I'm going to anyhow, so you might as well say, yeah, go ahead and be honest with the preacher. My faith fluctuates. There's days in my life I could fly over hell on a rotten corn stalk and squirt the devil right in the eye with a squirt gun. I'm so full of faith, I'm so full of fire, I'm so full of belief, I'm so full of assurance, I'm telling you what, God could tell me to do anything, it would not matter. And my faith is so jacked up, I could do anything for Jesus. And there's days I walk out of my house, and I look up to the sky with tears in my eyes, and I think, are you here? Are you, are you, are you really here? I know y'all are way too spiritual to do stuff like that. But I'll be honest with you. There's days I struggle. 
And there's times my faith is not what it needs to be. And what he is saying here, he's not saying that you're an atheist. He's not saying that you don't believe in me. He's saying that your faith is not where it needs to be. And he uses an illustration. He uses, he describes, he said, look, guys, if you had the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, he's not using size here. He's using type. If you had this, the faith as a size, or excuse me, as a mustard seed, you could say in this mountain, be ye removed. And it will go to yonder place. He said you could do the impossible. There would be nothing impossible to you. Now here's the deal. He's not talking about size. He could have said he, you, if you had the faith as a grain of a piece of sand as far as size. But he didn't. He said seed. Now what is significant about a seed? A seed has life in it. A seed has the ability and the potential to be vibrant, to be living, to be growing. And he said, if you had a faith that was alive, if you had a faith that was growing, if you had a faith that was developing, if you had a faith, somebody help me. He said, nothing would be impossible to you. And let me tell you what's happened in American church today. We've got people that are coasting on yesterday's faith. We've got people that are still at the level of faith that they were when they come to Christ. They've never done anything to develop it. They've never done anything to encourage it. They've done nothing to nurture it. They've done nothing to build their faith and strengthen their faith. And because of that, today's devil is beating the tar out of them. Today's problems, today's issues, they're praying the same prayer that they prayed when they first come to Christ, and it seemed to work then, but it's not working now because we got the same level of faith that we had then that we do now, and it's not being successful. Preacher, what are you saying? I see it all the time. I see it all the time. I see people come to temple, especially if they come from a dead church. Dead church, dried up, on the stalk. Dust in the, in the aisle. Say amen. amen. Ain't been nobody baptized in years. Using the baptistry for storage space. Dead churches. And they come here and they feel it in the parking lot. They feel it when they walk through the doors. They feel the anointing of God and the presence of God. And they said, my Lord, I didn't know church could be like this. I, I cannot believe this. I'm so excited. And they get jacked up. And I'm telling you, they go tell everybody in the world. They tell everybody in the world, say, man, you would not believe. Man, I didn't even know church could be like that. And they live on a certain high for just a little while. And then they coast. Because they don't do what they need to do to go to that next level in their Christian walk. And they don't develop their faith. They don't read their Bible. They don't spend time with God. They don't spend time in prayer. They don't, they're not passionate about worship, but they like to be in the atmosphere. But before long, they're right back to the stage they were in the dead church. Why? Because their faith's not growing. Their faith is not being nurtured. And the problem you face today is different than the problem you faced yesterday. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. Now, I, I wish, I wish, I wish, it, it, when I was growing up, I wish they stopped at 2 plus 2. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? In the 12th grade, test is 2 plus 2. I got it! No, they didn't stop there. They had to go to 4 plus 4, and they had to go to 8 plus 8, and they had to go to, are y'all with me? 20 times 20 and 40 times 50 and 100 divided by somebody stop me. Amen. And you know why? With greater knowledge came greater responsibility. 
They wanted you to grow and grow. You can't live today on yesterday's test. If you pass yesterday's test, guess what? There's a new devil. There's a new problem. There's a new situation. And if your faith is not growing, if your faith is not being nurtured, if your faith is not developing, if it's not alive, if it's not vibrant, I guarantee you today's devil's going to whoop you. Why could we not catch that? He said because of your unbelief. Now, 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 the church in America is struggling mightily with this problem. Now, what, what caused a group of disciples who were excited? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You remember when they got back from their first missionary trip? And they come back and they were so excited. We cast out devils. Man, we healed the disease. We did this and we did that. And you know what Jesus said to them? You know what Jesus said to him? He said, don't get all excited about casting out devils. You need to get excited because your name is in glory. And you know why he said that? Because one day you're going to hit a home run. The next day you're going to strike out. Are you getting me? And if you cast them out, amen, your name's in glory. If you can't cast them out, amen, your name's in glory. Don't let your circumstances determine your shout. Are y'all with me? Now, what changed? What caused the disciples to go from, woo, oh boy. How many of y'all ever done that? Come in here and get so excited on Sunday and shout hallelujah and get all into the choir music. And on Monday, the devil just. Am I talking to anybody? What? I wonder what. Here, here, let me give you two things. Two things. Write these two things down. Number one, the cause of unbelief. The cause of littleness of faith. Littleness of faith. I believe, I believe one, one cause is apathy. Apathy. Can you imagine? All right, now, now Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the three amigos, and took them with him to raise the dead and left the other nine. Y'all with me? Now he goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration and takes Peter, James, and John and leaves the other nine. I wonder what them nine was talking about while they was gone. Well, who were they? We left our jobs too. We left our families too. We're working just like they working. We, um, mm, let me apply it. When God touches somebody else's song and don't touch yours. When God touches somebody else's ministry and doesn't touch you. When it seems like he's moving in a certain place. Now, now y'all are not, maybe some of y'all are not singers and some of y'all are not ministers. But, but what if God answers somebody else's prayer and, and, and pays their bill and you, yours is still pending? Sometimes pride will get in the way and say, what's up? Am I right? And we get apathetic. Let me, let me give you the definition to apathy. The Lord has parked in our garage today, hadn't he? The word apathy, this is the definition. Webster's Dictionary says this. 
a lack of interest or a lack of emotion. In other words, eh. sometimes on the field when the coach calls somebody else into the game and you're on the sidelines, it's hard to cheer in the dugout when you don't get to play. Oh, am I being too honest? It's hard to ask God to bless the one singing when you when you got a song. It's that, it's, <laughs> oh yeah, preach it, Bishop, preach it. It's hard to rejoice with a brother that's gotten blessed when, you, when you're still praying for one. And you, now if you don't know what apathy is, have a teenager. Is there a parent of a teenager in here? Raise your hand, raise your hand. It's like they hit a certain stage and say, how's your day? Hmm. Their whole vocabulary changes, huh? When they're little, they never shut up. And you want to, but then when you want to talk to them, I, how you spell I, that's what I, I, But do you know that is the condition of the church in America? We had a, we had a, a a a a missionary from India on Wednesday. My Lord, I wish everybody could hear him. Please go to our website and watch that video. He's an elderly gentleman, probably what in his seventies, maybe, maybe in his seventies. Been beat up. They broke both of his legs, both of his arms, left him on the side of the road to die because of his Christian faith. While they threw him in jail, they brought false reports against him, threw him in jail. They burned his house down and tried to kill his family. And we asked a question. We had a little question and answer time. We asked a question, how do, how do you deal with this persecution? And if you would have seen the look on his face, like, what do you mean? It's just part of it. We want to stay home when the air conditioning broke. And this man, is, he started 1,800 churches. He has a zeal and a fire for God. And in America, it's, uh, will you pray? Uh, will you help us give? Uh, do you have a family member that's lost and going to hell? Yeah. And it is a sign of the times that we're living in. The Bible says we are in the Laodicean church age where we're lukewarm. We're neither hot nor cold. And God says it makes me sick to my stomach. I will spew thee out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. Preacher, what do you mean? God would rather you be on fire or not at all. Not just going through the motions. And these old boys had gotten apathetic. And he said, how do you know that? Because he said that your faith is not growing, and you're not fasting and praying. You're not disciplined. You're not taking the steps necessary to develop and move your faith forward. They had become apathetic. You know, it's very easy to do. Now, before we get real judgmental against these boys, how many of y'all have been apathetic in your life before? I have too. 
And you may not have that problem, but you may have this problem. I believe apathy causes us to have littleness of faith. I believe arrogance. Don't go to pointing. I saw hands. Don't do that. Don't do that. Arrogance. What's what's the definition of arrogance? (laughs) Somebody called out a name. Don't do that. Don't do that. My husband. That's the definition of arrogance right there. Here's arrogance. Webster's Dictionary. Offensively exaggerating one's own importance. Zoom, zoom. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. That's not me. Let's see. Oh, I'm not arrogant. No, 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 that's not me. Exaggerating one's own importance. You know what God showed me? This is what he wanted me to tell you. He said, tell them this. When you don't pray, when you don't pray about your situation, when you don't spend time in prayer for your life, when you don't come to God with the needs that you have, when you don't get passionately in prayer with God, you know what you're telling God? I got this. I don't need you. I don't need you with my problem with my family. I don't need you with my problem with my marriage. I don't need you with my problem with my finances. I I don't need you. I got this. And you know what happens? When we tell God, I got this, you know what he says? You sure do. You got it. Go ahead. Now, let's let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. This man comes to the disciples while Jesus is gone and says, look, I've got a son with a devil. I believe those other boys said, hey, we've done that before. I got this. I remember in such and such village, I tell you what, there was one with three devils. Now, I got it. You know, <coughs> here's what happens. When we feel a need for God, we'll beg in God and pray. Let me illustrate me because I don't want nobody to get offended, so I won't talk about you. I'll talk about me. There's been times in my ministry, I remember a specific time, I'm going to just deal, detail it. Me and Brother Travis was down at Camp Tracer. Johnny Pope was there. Preacher Brown was there. Dr. McCormick was there. People that I looked up to humongously at the time. Mentors and heroes. They're all going to be there and I'm fixing to preach. And I'm like, God, if you don't ever touch me again, please touch me this time. And I even prayed this prayer. God is my witness. I was this honest. I said, now, God, I know, and you know my heart. I want them to look at me and be impressed. I'm going to just confess this right now. I'm just, I, I don't want to, I want them to be, uh, you know, these were my mentors. These were the people that trained me, and I don't want to disappoint them. I know I'm sorry for that, Lord, and it should be all for your glory, but please have mercy on me and help me. And I was just as honest with God as I could be. I said, God, I don't want to drop the ball now. I don't want to drop the ball in front of them. Please don't let me make a fool of myself in front of them. Please anoint me. And, t- and I'm telling you, God touched me like I had never been touched in a, a long time. And then I got a souped-up outline. At another occasion, I'm talking about I had illustrations. I had stories. I had tearjerkers. I said, this right here is going to bring mass revival. Billy Graham will want this outline. And I thought my outline was good enough. I didn't need. Say, did you say that? No, I didn't say that. But I didn't pray. 
I might as well have said it. And you know what I did? I stood up ready, pulled this outline out, and I fell on my face. And God says, go ahead. And about halfway through it, I realized how bad it was and how, how bad it was going. And I said, God, help. He said, you got this. And you know what we do? We wake up every day of our life, and we don't pray. And we're telling God to do his face, I got this. I don't need you today. You know what that is doing? That's exaggerating our own importance. And I believe them old boys said, hey, we got this. We did this before. Bring him here. Bring him here. Watch this. And they fell on their face. How many of y'all would agree that we, we, we now, now that we know what it is, that we struggle with this? You know what Jesus said? He said, without me, you can do nothing. We don't just need him to go to church. We don't just need him to get over addictions. We don't just need him to, to pay our bills. Hey, we need him to get along with our spouse. We need him to get through the suffering and the problems of everyday life. And when we don't pray, we say, God, I got this. I'll be honest with you guys, I don't want this. I want him to have it. Because I've, I've done come to a conclusion in my life, I've realized I don't have this. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So what do we do? When we find ourselves apathetic, when we find ourselves arrogant, when we find ourselves not doing what God wants us to do, what do we do? There's a cure. There's a cause, apathy and arrogance. But there's a cure. It's prayer and passion. He said, guys, the reason you couldn't do this is because of your, your faith. If you had a vibrant living faith, it would be different. If you had a and you could tell the people with a vibrant living faith, they always want to tell you about Jesus. They always want to tell you about what they read in the Bible. They always want to tell you about the church service they just had. They always want to, but you can tell that one is coasting. They don't like being around that other one. Y'all with me? And so what do we do? He said, you need to pray and be passionate about what you're doing. This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Fasting is not just giving up food. It's spending time and getting serious with God. Every time in the, in the Bible that you find people who were serious with God, they had a major problem, they had a major situation, they really needed God to move in their situation, they fasted and prayed. Esther fasted and prayed for the nation. Daniel fasted and prayed. Listen, uh, 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 David fasted and prayed. Let me ask you a question. What's it going to take for us to get passionate about the needs that we have in our life? What's it going to take for us to get passionate about lost souls around us, lost family members around us? What's it going to take? Is it going to take somebody, some idiot flying into a building again? Is it going to take a plague that's going across this nation? Is it going to take swine flu or the bird flu where it's killing thousands of people before we'll get serious with God and get passionate and get on our knees and say, God, we need you. We get more passionate about the ball game than we do the church house. I said, we, I'm putting my, we're all together in this deal. We'll scream and holler and shout and do everything else in the world, and then we'll come into the church house and look like a knot on a log. 
And God says, when's the last time you cried? When's the last time you shed tears for the people around you? Passion. I can't stand watching people with no passion. I can't stand watching people play games with no passion. I would ra- there's a <laughs> there's a, there's a little 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 bitty girl on McKenzie's ball team. She's about as big as a half a minute. But buddy, she's wide open. I'm talking about wide open as a case knife. And I'm telling you, she's the most exciting person to watch. You, you just sit there and just, I mean, just everywhere. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in basketball, you need height. When you're vertically impaired, it's a struggle. Say amen. But what she don't have here, she has here. Let's get the fire back. Remember when you first come to Jesus and, and, and you thought you didn't have no problem? You thought you could solve any problem? You thought he could do anything? Remember? Well, he still can. You know the coolest part about this story? When the man came to Jesus, and by the way, let me teach you something. Let me teach you something right here. And I'm done. I'm, I'm done, but just get this. Because of the unbelief in the disciples, the people are supposed to know God, it caused doubt in the seeker who needed God. You see, when he came to Jesus, his father, this desperate father with a hurting son, he said, I took him to your people, and they couldn't do anything. I took him to the church, and it was false advertising. They said they could, that God was an answer to any problem, and they couldn't help him. He said, if you, if, if you could do something, would you? In other words, I don't know if you can or not. I took him to them, but they couldn't. I don't know if you can or not. And I love Jesus' response. And before I tell you his response, know this, you not developing and nurturing your faith doesn't just affect you. Because of the unbelief in the disciples, it caused a struggle in the seeker. What does that mean? If we're not where we're supposed to be in our faith walk with God, when we go outside this world with all those desperate and hungry and broken and, and, and messed up people, if we don't have the power of God on our life, we're no help to them. And if they can't see God in the hand of God, in the people of God, they're not going to trust the God of the people. But this is what Jesus said. I love this. He said, well, sir, let me tell you something. The issue is not, can I? The issue is, will you believe? Because if you're wondering whether I have the power, I got it. The question is not whether I have power to deliver. It's do you have power to believe? And if you, mm, if you have power to believe, then I got power to deliver. Now, I want to ask you a question. What problem do you have? What situation are you facing? What bill that you have? What health issue do you have? What person you need to get saved? What devil are you fighting today that you need power? He's got the power. You need to believe. Say amen. Now, here's the challenge. 
I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. I challenge every service today. I'm going to challenge you. He said the answer is this. Now, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all would believe, I'm going to raise both my hands, I need revival. I want more of a fire. I want more of a boldness. I want more of courage. I don't want to be a coward spiritually. I want to be able to walk up to any blessed soul and say, let me tell you about Jesus. I want that. I want revival. I want God to touch us. What did God say to do? Pray and fast. Now, we've been doing certain fasts. Everybody's been doing their own thing and, 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 and fasting certain things. But don't, don't, don't fast without praying. That's like getting on a stationary bike. It's going to get you all sweaty, but you ain't going nowhere. Y'all with me? It's praying and fasting. You're committing to God. But I want you to do this, all that can. Now, I know there's medical issues where some people just can't do it because of your sugar and all that kind of stuff. But if you will do it, I'm, I'm calling a corporate fast. All those that will fast with me this Wednesday. No food whatsoever. Just, just, just liquids. And let's fast on this Wednesday. We're going to have a special prayer meeting here at the church. I want to fill this room to capacity. And let's pray. We all agreed that we have lost people. We all agree that we have lost family members. Guys, you tell me, where do lost people go when they die? I can't hear you. That don't change. Hell is a place of, 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 of uh, 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 gnashing of teeth, of weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Is that enough to convince you we need to pray? Our, our country is going to hell. Everything that's going on in, in the politics and in, in, the, in the political realm is a major disaster. We need to pray. Please come. We're going to have special music. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the face of God. And we as God's children are going to corporately together come and beg God to, for God to just blow this place up at revival. That God's power will be so real and so evident that everybody coming will feel it and be touched by it. Are you with me? Say amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, help us now. We're not going to wait till Wednesday. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. We're going to seek your face right now. Father, I pray that they'll come right now. Those that will, come help me pray. Come help me pray for our lost people. Come help us pray for the lost daddies and the lost mamas and the lost children. Come help us pray for the lost grandchildren. Come on, come on, let's fill this altar up. Let's pray for our finances. Let's, let's pray for our health. Let's pray for the zeal that we need. Let's pray for the passion that we need. Let's pray that God will give us tears again. Let's pray that God will break our hearts again. Let's pray that God will send revival. Send revival. Oh, God, send revival. Let's, let's empty the pews and fill the altars. Let's let God know that we're serious. Let's let God know that we're serious. Come on, don't be prideful. Don't think you got it. When you sit in that chair and you don't need see the need to pray, you're telling God, I got this. I got this. Oh, don't over-exaggerate your importance. Come to know God and need God today. Oh, God, help us, Lord. We pray before you. We ask you, Lord, in prayer. Please move in our midst. Please move in this service. Please, Lord, let us feel your presence and your anointing. God, I pray 
I pray in Jesus' name that you'll fill every soul. I pray that you'll fill every heart. I pray that as we corporately, we fast and we pray and we seek your face. I pray, God, that your power will be evident. I pray that your power will be obvious. I pray, Lord, that your presence will touch us. We'll see you. Lord, we'll feel you. God, you'll move in our problems. You'll move in our problems of today. Lord, you will help us face the devils of tomorrow. I pray that you'll help us face every issue, every situation, Lord, that comes in our life. I pray that your will be done. I pray that you'll move in an awesome way. God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, Lord, I pray that you'll inhabit the praise of your people, inhabit the praises of the people in this place. God, I pray your will be done. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you. We'll glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet. You take all the time you need to pray. You talk to God all the time you need. Let's stand and we're going to sing a verse of invitation. Won't you come? If you're a gentleman and you're coming for baptism, if you're a gentleman and you're coming for baptism, if you'll come to my left, Brother Shane, you raise your hand, he'll help you. If you're coming for baptism and you're a gentleman, you come to my left. If you're a lady, if you're a young lady and you're coming for baptism, if you'll come to my right, Miss Tracy, if you'll hold up your hand. If you're coming for baptism, come to my right if you're a lady. Sing on, church. Let's hear it. Come on.